Hi there. Welcome to Alders Gate. My name is Justin. This is Erica. We're best friends. No, just kidding. <laughs> if you would, uh, those tuning online, welcome, welcome, welcome. We do see you there. Hi. Um, if you would, please stand for our opening praise song this morning, House of the Lord.
is lots of joy in this house today. We have a lot of things to be grateful for. Well, good morning and welcome to Aldersgate United. Is this on? Can y'all hear me? Okay, 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 good, good, good. Good morning and welcome. Aldersgate. We're so glad that you are here. Here, we like to say we're a folk, uh, people of warm hearts and active hands. Uh, for those of you who don't know me, my name is uh, Daniel. I'm the associate pastor, and along with Gary and Maria, who are downstairs teaching Sunday school, uh, it's our joy to welcome you to worship today. For those of you who are tuning in online, a special welcome to you as well. Uh, we're so glad that you are tuning in from afar. Uh, there is a lot going on today. You can look at the bad details. Just a few things that I want to mention as we settle into the space today. 
Uh, Today we do begin a new uh, sermon series called The Church in a Divided Society. We'll be talking about that today and next next Sunday. Uh, On this upcoming Wednesday, we're going to be having a church-wide deliberative dialogue, and we'll be talking more about that and what that's all about uh, in a little bit, so keep tuned for that. Uh, today, we are also celebrating Sandra, uh, Sandra Apple, uh, our church accountant who is retiring after 12 years of faithful uh, service. We'll have a moment at the end of our uh, service today uh, to honor her, but I know she's here with her husband, uh, Randy, and uh, Sandra, I just want to say here, thank you. Um, your service has been so special, and um, it'll be good for us to say more a little bit uh, later. Uh, just a few things from uh, Pastor Gary. Uh, he's beginning his bike with the pastor group this uh, Saturday morning at 7 a.m. So if you have a bike and have a desire to get up at 7 a.m., uh, meet him here at the church with that bike and uh, enjoy a beautiful day uh, biking with the pastor. Uh, also, Gary, who is a proud uh, grandpa, became a grandpa again this week on May 20th. Uh, his daughter, uh, Kelly, gave birth to Keisuke Owen uh, Otsuka. Uh, she is uh, six pounds, eight inches, no, six pounds, eight ounces, and came in at 19 and a quarter inches. These aren't my notes. <laughs> So we want to say welcome to Keisuke, and our church just keeps getting bigger. What a joy that is. The last thing that I want to mention is our annual uh, carnival is coming up on June 5th. That's Pentecost uh, Sunday, and the carnival is our annual fundraiser for Vacation Bible School. If you didn't see, there's a sign-up table down there uh, between here and the uh, Fellowship Hall. Take a look at that on your way out. Uh, The carnival runs on volunteers, and so I'm sure there is a place uh, where you can sign up to help make that wonderful event happen. Uh, If you are newer to Aldersgate, uh, the carnival is not something you want to miss. I'll just say that. Again, that's June 5th. Um, okay, uh, there's more, uh, the more announcements, but you can see those on the back of the bulletin. Let's take some time to stand and greet one another with signs of hospitality and love. If you don't know somebody, ask them their name and tell them yours. <laughs> Jeremy, good to see you, man. Good to see you. Hey, Anne. Hey, I just wanted to say I could hear you guys on the songs. It was so beautiful. Your seats. As we prepare to receive the offering today, I just want to make a quick announcement about our mission collection for the month of May. Uh, For May, the missions team is collecting uh, diapers for Youth for Christ, and Youth for Christ is a nonprofit here in town that supports uh, teen uh, moms with uh, faith formation, but also tangible help uh, 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 to help them care for their uh, small ones. And so we're collecting diapers and wipes for them. We're especially uh, looking for diapers in sizes one, four, and six. 
And so if you find yourself at the store uh, between now and next week, you're invited to pick up a pack and bring it back to the church by May 30th. Uh, we'll get them to where they need to go so these moms can know that they are supported by the people of Aldersgate. At this time, I would invite the ushers to come forward and receive this morning's offering. Let us all sing together, Dancing on the Waves. Every song. 
Thank you, blended worship team. Our gospel text for this morning comes from Luke chapter 4, verses 16 through 21. I invite you to stand in body or spirit for the reading of the gospel. When Jesus came to Nazareth, where he had been brought up, he went to the synagogue on the Sabbath day, as was his custom. He stood up to read, and the scroll of the prophet Isaiah was given to him. He unrolled the scroll and found the place where it was written, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me, because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to set free those who are oppressed, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. And he rolled up the scroll, gave it back to the attendant, and sat down. The eyes of all in the synagogue were fixed on him. And then he began to say to them, Today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. You may be seated, and would you join me in a moment of prayer? Gracious and most merciful God, we long to hear from you. We long to know that you're near. So open our eyes our ears, our hearts, that we might hear what you are saying to us this morning. For you, O God, are our rock, our strength, and our redeemer. Amen. So right after my first year of seminary, this was in 2018, I had the opportunity to study abroad in Switzerland. Now, I think I might have talked about this once or twice before, but when I heard that I had the opportunity to go to Switzerland, I immediately said, yes, because who says no to an opportunity to go to Switzerland? Uh, but I was also very intrigued and fascinated by this particular school that I was going to get to go to. It was called the Basse, Basse Ecumenical Institute, and it was just north of Geneva. Now, Basse is a school that is partnered with the World Council of Churches. Uh, and if you haven't heard of the World Council of Churches, it's kind of like the United Nations for the Christian world. Uh, there's about 360 member uh, churches in the uh, group, and they meet occasionally to try to uh, build a better witness of Christian unity. The ecumenical movement is designed to do this, to bring uh, folks from all corners of the, of the world, from all different backgrounds, perspectives, and beliefs, and to unite them together, not on what divides them, but on what they have in common. The ecumenical movement believes that what we have in common is more powerful than what we don't. For those of you who might not have heard that word ecumenical before, I want you to know it comes from the Greek word oikumene, oikumene, which means the whole inhabited world. And so this school at Basse that I had the chance to go to, its goal is to bring people from every corner of the inhabited world to live together, learn together, pray together, and try to get along despite their cultural and theological 
distinctions, which is more difficult. Um, well, it was just say it was harder than I thought. <laughs> we had about 30 people there from uh, uh, all six continents. And uh, to sum it up in a sentence, I have to say it was a life-changing experience. It was one of the most powerful experiences and energizing experiences of my life. And I remember when I returned to the United States in February of 2019, my heart was filled with hope. Hope that no matter what divide might threaten to keep us apart, that it could be bridged if we just slowed down and listened to one another. That was my hope after spending four months at Basse. And I still believe that. But I have to confess to you that as time has gone on, it has become harder and harder and harder to believe that the social divides of our communities and the social divides of our churches can be healed. Now, a lot has happened since I came back in 2019. I don't need to tell you that. We've had two very different presidents We've endured a pandemic that has killed over a million people in this country alone. And if you tuned in to the pre-conference briefing this last Wednesday night, you learned about how our denomination, the United Methodist Church, is currently splitting right now over issues of human sexuality. I don't need to convince you of the fact that we live in a divided and polarized world, and it's only getting worse. As I look at the nature of our public discourse today, it seems to me that we as a people are increasingly incapable of navigating these divisions with nuance. When political or theological differences arise, it is all too easy, and I'm talking about myself here, to run to our ideological corners and throw mud at people across the way. All too easy. Just take a look at cable news. Or if you're like me and don't have cable, uh, consider your own heart and how you react when you learn the politics of somebody new. Now I know that the social issues of our time are deeply complicated and nuanced, and we're not here today to parse politics or talk about particular issues. But today I do want to ask us, where does the gospel of Jesus Christ intersect with the divisions of our society? What role, if any, does the church play in helping folks navigate the, com the, the, the complicated and divisive social issues of our day? Is there possibly a better way for us to be both citizens of a society and members of a faith community? Today's sermon is part one of a two-part sermon series called The Church in a Divided World, like I mentioned earlier. Now, this sermon series is based off of the book Preaching in the Purple Zone by the Reverend Dr. Leah Shade, and in this book she talks about how complicated it is to talk about social issues in the church, and she offers a better way forward. She offers a model for constructive dialogue that we're going to talk more about here at the end of the sermon. 
We'll talk more about that, but before I go too much farther, I think we need to slow down and turn to Jesus. For if there is anybody who could help us as the people of God discern and navigate a way forward in these divisive and polarized times, well, it probably is Jesus. Now, in this text that we read from Luke chapter 4, we, we encounter Jesus at a very specific time in his ministry. We're past the Luke chapter 2 uh, passages where we hear about the birth. He's all grown up now. And Jesus has been baptized by John in the Jordan. He has been anointed by the Holy Spirit. And he is ready to go and to do his preaching ministry. We find him here in chapter 4 at the very, very beginning. He hasn't done anything yet except been baptized. Bless you. But before he begins, before he begins his preaching ministry, he does one very important thing. He goes home, not to Bethlehem where he was born, but to Nazareth where he grew up, to where his father Joseph was from. And the first official act of ministry that Jesus does is he goes to his home church, his home synagogue, the place where he would have learned the faith. And he gets up in front of all the people gathered on the Sabbath, and he reads from the prophet Isaiah. Now, these words from the prophet Isaiah would have been words that everybody in that room would have heard many, many times before. The prophet Isaiah was very well known. And Jesus got up and he said this, The Spirit of the Lord is upon me because he has anointed me to bring good news to the poor. He has sent me to release, to proclaim release to the captives and recovery of sight to the blind, to let the oppressed go free and to proclaim the year of the Lord's favor. Again, folks would have heard this hundreds of times before. But then there in that synagogue where he grew up in front of the people who saw him as a kid, he says something that nobody was expecting. He says, today, this scripture is fulfilled in your hearing. And what he's saying to them is that I am the one. I am the one who has come to bring good news and to bring good news for the poor. Now this passage might be familiar to you. In fact, it's one of the earliest passages that I heard as a kid. It might be so familiar to us that we might miss that Jesus is speaking directly about social issues here. He's talking about folks in prison. He's talking about economics. He's talking about health care. He's talking about all matters of social justice. These issues were relevant 2,000 years ago, and they're just as relevant, maybe more controversial, but just as relevant today. And by announcing this at the very beginning of his ministry, again, this is the first thing he does. Jesus shows us that a care and concern for social issues is at the core of his teaching. It is essential to the good news that he has come to bring. And very simply put, my friends, if social concerns were important to Jesus, they ought to be important to us. For if we are followers of Christ, then his priorities ought to become our 
priorities. Jesus comes as the one to bring good news, and we as the church have this awesome and holy responsibility to participate in the work of Jesus, to follow in his footsteps by being a people who announce good news. But how do we do that in a divided and polarized world? Jesus makes it clear that social issues are important to his message, but he doesn't quite give us a clear roadmap for how to navigate 21st century politics and societal divisions. I wish he did, but it's not in the text. Now, research indicates that churches are struggling now more than ever with how to live out their faith in an increasingly divided American culture. Partisan politics are affecting how congregations worship, how they spend time together. It's affecting how clergy preach, and it's affecting how churches engage in the public square. Folks are leaving churches all the time because of political differences. And the lines between the world of politics and the world of religion have become unmistakably blurred. And so I think the pressing question for the church today, for the church in the 21st century, becomes how. How will we engage with our divided world with the good news of Jesus? Now, if you have ever been church shopping before, you know that there are many different ways that churches can answer that question and I want to just outline for us very briefly here three options, three possibilities for how churches can choose to engage in the divided world that we live in. Now, some churches take the approach that uh, church should focus more on spirituality and faith instead of social issues. These churches want to avoid the controversy of public discourse, and they choose to focus instead on spiritual growth for their congregants. If you were to ask these people what their favorite verse was, they might quote to you Matthew 11, verse 28, which says, Come to me, all of you who are weary and heavy laden, and I will give you rest. From this perspective, church is a place to come and find rest and respite from the chaos of social issues that go on in the world. This is the place for spiritual growth, and social issues really ought to be avoided. Some other people take the perspective that uh, church is a place to try and engage with our differences with love and care. These churches see their primary task as helping people navigate the controversial issues that divide us with grace and understanding. They seek to build bridges across the divide and heal the community through the transformation of relationships. Folks who like this perspective might quote for you uh, Galatians 3.28, where the Apostle Paul says, There is neither now slave nor free, Jew nor Greek, male or female, for all are one in Christ Jesus. Folks from this perspective see church as a place to educate on all sides of social issues and to try to come together in unity. Lastly, some churches uh, see their role in activism 
outspoken engagement with the social issues of the day. These churches seek to be a prophetic voice in the wilderness, calling for change and keeping those people in power accountable. From this perspective, faith is best expressed through action. And if asked to quote a verse, these people might cite uh, Amos chapter 5, verse 24, where the prophet says, let justice roll down like water and righteousness like an ever-flowing stream. Amen. I know what he thinks, or she thinks. <laughs> now, I hope you can hear three distinct options here. And I hope you can already begin to see how each option has some pros and some possible cons. Now, no church, including our own, will unanimously agree on which of these is the best perspective to take, and that is okay. But when you hear these three options, I wonder, where do you think our church is on a whole? Who do you think God is calling us as the people of Aldersgate United Methodist Church to be in this divided world? What is our role, if any, in engaging with the divisive issues of today? This Wednesday night at 6.30 p.m. down in the Fellowship Hall, we're going to have what's called a deliberative dialogue. This dialogue, which is, is, is part of this sermon series that we're doing, is designed to be a space for us to come together to talk, to listen, and to lean on the Holy Spirit as we discern what our church's role in all of this is. To guide our conversation, we're going to be using... Uh, guide here that was developed by the National Issues uh, Forum. It's conveniently called The Church's Role in a Divided Society, and it goes into more detail about the three options and perspectives that I just talked about a few moments ago. I hope you'll grab a copy on your way out. We have some available at the Welcome Center. Now, just a few important caveats about this conversation we're having on Wednesday night. This is not a debate. This is not a place for you to come and fight about what your perspective is and why you think it's best. This is not a place to talk about the human sexuality issues that are going on in our denomination. That's just not what this is for. We will not be taking any church-wide votes. We will not be adopting a statement. We will not be deciding who belongs here and who does not. That's not what Wednesday night is about. Wednesday night is a space for us to come together, listen, and seek discernment as a community about what the strengths of our congregation are. It's important for you to know the pastors have no agenda with this. We are not pushing any of these three perspectives. Our goal is simply to get people together in the room talking to one another. And if nothing else happens on Wednesday night except us coming together and talking and cultivating just a little bit more trust in one another, well then, I think it's going to be time well spent. Because the reality is, if we are to move forward as a people through these divisive times, it's going to take a little more trust. So I hope you'll come, and I hope you'll be a part of that. That's Wednesday night at 6.30 in the Fellowship Hall. Now, in closing, I want to take us back to Switzerland for a moment. I learned a lot when I was there, and I've forgotten 
nearly all of it already. But the one thing that I do remember is something that continues to inspire me today and I think is informative for us as we go to this dialogue on Wednesday night. I call it my ecumenical maxim, and it goes like this. In the face of divisive and controversial issues, I do not have all the answers. You do not have all the answers. In fact, we together still don't have all the answers. But this is the important part. Every single one of us has something to learn and something to teach. Very simple. Every one of you has something to learn and something to teach. And so I hope you will come on Wednesday night with an open heart that is willing to learn something new from the person sitting next to you. And I hope you'll come knowing that your voice matters, your perspective matters, and you have something to teach the group. That's why we need you there. We need people of all ages, all backgrounds, all perspectives, because all of you are part of this community. Now, we might not have all the answers when we gather together on Wednesday night. We're not going to figure out what the church's role in a divided society is. But I believe that God's Holy Spirit will be with us. And because God's Holy Spirit will be with us, I believe that if we are listening, we might discover something new. We very well might discover that the path forward is the path together. Thanks be to God. Amen. We come to that time in our service where we lift up the prayers of the people. And so in just a moment, I'll walk the aisles. And if there is a name or a prayer that is on your heart, I hope you will uh, lift it up for the group uh, so that we can know for who we are praying for today. Um, Our response to the prayers that are named, as always, is, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. But hear now these names as we prepare our hearts for prayer. Lori Lowry, Bonnie Collins, Julie Van Sickle, Alana Maris, Vivian Sackhoff, Ann Brendel, Dee Dee Snively, Kellyanne Kiwamu in the birth of their daughter, Matthew Marin, Kenna Morrison, Janet Gregory, Connie Martin, Glenda McEvoy, and Evelyn Clements. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. Who, who else are we praying for today?
For Paula, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayer. For Allison and Annie, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. the students who are going on summer break, especially those who are less fortunate and may not have food to eat on some days. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. For Eddie and for Jeff, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. who has, has just lost her mother. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Ah, ooh, I missed you. For Chris and Dixie, Messing and their family. Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Missy, Stan, and Charlie, Lord, in your mercy, hear our prayers. Friends, we give thanks that even though we may not know all of these names, the God who hears us does. And so with that, I would invite you to find a posture that feels both holy and comfortable, and let us join our hearts together in prayer. Gracious and most holy God, we come to you once more this morning to offer to you our thanks for yet another day, for yet another opportunity to gather together as your beloved community, and to remember that even in the midst of uncertain and divisive times that your spirit goes before us like a flame in the night to guide us forward. We pray that you would give us wisdom always, and especially this week as we come together on Wednesday to talk to one another. Give us grace for each other. Give us grace for ourselves and humility to know that we do not have all the answers. We pray for those names that we have lifted up before you and before this community. And we give you thanks, oh God, that you know those prayers that lie in the deepest, most inaccessible places of our hearts. Be near to those who need to know of your presence. Comfort those who grieve. Heal those who are sick. Be a light to those who walk in darkness. We pray for people around the world who fear this day, for those who are afflicted by violence and war of every kind, for those in Ukraine, 
for those in Andover who still don't know the way forward. And we pray for your church, O oh God, your ecumenical church around the world in every corner of your inhabited land. Where your church is wrong, we pray that you would correct her. And where she is true, would you strengthen her? And we pray for the United Methodist Church as it navigates these tumultuous days. Oh Lord, grant grace. And let us not forget the work to which you continue to call us to. All of these things and so much more, we lift up to you, knowing and trusting that you hear us. So thank you, God. In the name of Jesus the Christ, our risen Lord, who taught us to pray together, saying, Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who have trespassed against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. If you would please stand for our closing song, Battle Belongs, and it's a great reminder if you're in that online debate with someone about something that's happening in our society, sometimes it's just best to go to the Lord in prayer.
go from this place, we get the joy of celebrating and saying thank you to Sandra Apple uh, for 12 years of service as our church accountant. She's retiring in uh, June and is currently training up her replacement, Lissa Spickerman. Uh, I've seen them in the office, busy day in and day out. But, Sandra, you ought to know that you are uh, leaving some big shoes to fill. And I have no qualms about uh, Lissa. She's going to do excellent. But what you have given to Aldersgate for 12 years goes beyond the 15 million or so dollars and bajillion dinky details that you have managed and managed with excellence. Uh, If I could just say for a moment what you have meant to me, Sandra, Um, I've been here for almost two years, and you have been a constant source of steadiness in the office. You have such a calmness about you and a peace, and, and, and you know and I know things can get busy and hectic in the office, especially around Christmas and Easter, but I have always trusted and I've always known that your office will be one of peace and calmness, and I hope you know that you have brought that to the staff uh, for 12 years now. By the way, 12 years, I was 15 years old. I was a sophomore at high school, which I just say, I guess, to say how young I am. Um, (laughs) But Sandra, you have done so much for this church, and your role has grown throughout the years, as our church has, and so uh, I could go through the list and tell you all the good things that she has done, but let me just say, Sandra has been an invaluable part of the team, and anybody who has worked with her knows that to be true. So today, on behalf of staff, parish, and the whole church, Sandra, all we can say is thank you for who you are and what you have given to Aldersgate. And I believe we have something from staff parish. 
And the flowers on the altar are uh, in honor of you as well, so you can take those after the 11 o'clock. Uh, I know we already gave that to you at the 8, and we'll give it to you again. Uh, <laughs> and then you'll get to keep it, okay? Well, friends, as we prepare to go from this place, I want to remind you that we are people of good news, and so I'm happy to announce some good news, that there is cake in the Fellowship Hall. Uh, we are having a reception in honor of Sandra, and so I hope you will go and uh, uh, eat cake, drink some punch, and uh, go talk to uh, Sandra and tell her uh, what she means to you. As, as you go, I also hope you will take some time Pick up one of these guides. There's a bunch of them back at the welcome booth. Uh, take one and take a little time to read it before Wednesday night, and I hope you'll bring it with you. This will be an important help to our work together um, on that night. So those are for you as well. But as we go from this place, may we go in the strength and the hope of the one who brings good news. So as you go, may everything you do Share in that announcement. May you go and be people of the good news for a world who so desperately needs to hear it. Go in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, and go in peace. Amen. Amen.